0: If you want to follow along in your Bibles with us in our time in the Word today, you can turn to the first First uh, John chapter four, locate uh, verse fifteen, where we'll be starting at today. It's not often that I recognize uh, people uh, in the congregation. Just I'm afraid of missing someone sooner or later, so I try to avoid that. But when people travel halfway around the world just to hear me preach, I think they probably deserve a little bit of recognition that they come so far just to hear me preach. So, uh, Victor and Alyssa are here with us today, and we're very grateful, thankful that you're here, and praise the Lord. Now that puts a lot of pressure on me not to let you down. We'll see how well I do. We're continuing a series that we've been in for some time, looking at uh, the first book of uh, first letter of John. Uh, and some ideas, what we call these upwards, these words, these ideas behind uh, evidence of our salvation, evidence of our rebirth and our conversion, that John is saying i've written these things so that you know you have eternal life. Today we're moving on with another one the day 's word is fearless. It comes from First John chapter four we're going to start with verse 15 through 19. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he is in in he and God, he we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love, abides in God and God abides in him by this love is perfected in us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So let me just take a moment and kind of uh, follow the logic of what John's telling us here, this upward about living a fearless life. This is kind of how this scripture flows. And the logic of his argument here is if we confess Jesus, which means if we have a true abiding faith in Christ, if we've put our faith wholeheartedly in Christ and what he's done and who he is, that he's the Messiah, the Savior of the world, if we confess Jesus we understand, we have at least some understanding of God's love for us. At least we've accepted that God loves us, and we're growing in understanding what it is to have God's love for us, if we've accepted Him. And when we understand that God loves us, and what that love is like, we start to grasp what our relationship with God is. And that is that we're God's children. And if we understand that we have this relationship, this father-child relationship, then we have confidence before him that when we become before him we're not coming before some stranger we're not coming before a judge we're coming before our father and so it gives us confidence to come into his presence because he loves us he's adopted us he's our father and as we understand that we can start to live fearless we're we're not fearing his judgment because we realize we have a loving father and so our fearless we become kind of fearless of judgment, and in its place we have peace in place of anxiety. And so therefore we can say our confident attitude to stand before God is evidence of our rebirth. When we start to think about that day... When we will stand before the Creator of all things, our attitude, how, how we approach that day reveals how we understand God's love, our relationship with Him, and the love that Christ bought for us and gave us, what forgiveness Christ gave us on that day. So we have confidence to stand in that day because of our relationship. Now, we're not cocky about it. We're not, oh, God loves me and so I can be flippant about it. I can do whatever I want to. We're not irreverent about it. We don't realize, we don't ignore the fact that we're coming before a king, before the creator, before the judge of all things, that the one eternal God. We, we're still reverent, but we understand that that king creator is our father who loves us and asks us and wants us and invites us into his presence. And so we start to become fearless as we look forward towards that day. And as we grow in that understanding of God's love and our relationship with Him, we will actually start to anticipate being before Him. It's not some great thing that we're afraid of, but something we start to look forward to because our confidence is growing. And as I've heard many saints before who have start to realize that that time is coming very quickly for them, they'll usually phrase it, I'm ready i'm ready to meet my maker and that's kind of what paul is saying is when you get to that place where you say i'm ready to see my jesus that's evidence that you're reborn because that fear of facing god has been replaced by the love of god and that's our evidence and so that's kind of why G, uh, John is writing this, so that we can have this evidence to be ready to face God. And, and if you say today, I'm not quite there yet, that's okay. That's probably why you're still here. Because God wants you to grow in His love and understanding so that you will be ready when that day comes. And so when our relationship... But, but the truth of the matter, the, kind of the overarching theme of this passage, I think, is when our relationship with God is settled, when it's established... When we have a true abiding relationship with God, then life that we live here starts to become fearless. Everything starts to grow strangely dim in the presence of God's glory and his love and his grace. That the things that we're so afraid of in this world don't have the power over us that they once did. And so I kind of want us to see how this fear and love kind of work throughout the scriptures and for us to do that we need to kind of go back to fear's origin where where fear started where this idea of this thing that's being cast out well where did it get started at well it actually started kind of at the beginning in the garden of Eden it all started right there if you remember in Genesis chapter 3 so 3 chapters into the bible Right after the what we call not the fall of the year, but the fall of mankind. In Genesis chapter 3, 8 and 10, it says this. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. Because I was naked and so I hid myself. See, Adam and Eve had sinned and that broken relationship brought fear into the relationship. Adam and Eve who were walking hand in hand with God and had this wonderful communion with God had now gone from running up to God, embracing Him, grabbing His hands, walking with Him hand in hand in the cool of the evening to now hiding themselves in fear because of who God is. That's where it started, right there. Sin brings fear of God. A broken relationship resulted in fear. And I believe that everyone on the face of the earth, someplace or a time is confronted with this this kind of fear in their life, that there's something out there bigger than them. The, the Romans 1 says that man are without excuse, that they can see the creation, and God has revealed His power. And so men are without excuse. to not knowing He's there. And So that people have to come to face to face that God is out there. And what are they going to do about that? So how do people react to this base fear we have in this broken relationship with God? Well, some people ignore it and dismiss it. They just say... They, they figure a way around it. You know, there is no God. They'll claim to be atheists. You know, I don't believe there's such a God. Uh, they'll just dismiss it. Well, if there is a God, well, he's a loving God, you know, and there's nothing really to be afraid of or I, I'm the, you know, some way of just ignoring it completely. I'm, you know, I'm just not a religious person. I just don't get into religion at all. What they're saying is I don't want to deal with the fact that there might be something out there bigger than me. I'm just going to ignore that possibility and dismiss it out of hand. You know, that uh, there was once a guy who said, you know, religion is the opium of the masses. You're just a bunch of people deceiving yourself. So let me, you know, just realize you're a little weak. You know, you're a little unable to deal with life. And so you invent this God thing to help you through life. And I'm just kind of smarter than that. And so they dismiss it and ignore it right out of hand. So there's nothing to fear at all because no God exists. Some other people, they try to alleviate or mitigate or ease that fear themselves. They, they try to make up for it themselves. They try to relieve themselves of their fear, either by doing good works and saying, you know, there's, you know, there might be a God out there, but I'm a pretty good person. You know, I gave money to disaster relief when those people in Houston needed it. You know, and God's going to put that in my bank account and they they just try to figure out some way to alleviate the fear themselves. They do it by explanation. They try to offset it by being good on their own part and try to alleviate the fear they feel like. So when I stand before God, I want to have all these things that I can show to him so that I don't have to be afraid of him. You know, I helped old women across the street and I and I gave to the poor and, you know, I, I took care of dogs and I just, whatever they can come up with to, to say here, God, you know, I don't have to be afraid to come before you. I want to give you these things to kind of appease you and to mitigate the fear I have. And then there's the people who just embrace and accept what the relationship with God is like. Here's our first kid note. I forgot to ask for those people who wanted to get kid notes this morning. Sorry about that. Uh, People should fear God. That's our first kid note today. That we should embrace and accept that there's a rightness to the fear of God. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And Proverbs says, this is where you start with God. Embrace the fact that there's someone bigger than you and you're not in the right relationship with Him. That's where you start. Luke twelve five says, "But I will show you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he uh, you have been killed, has the power to throw you into hell." Yes, I tell you, fear him. The Bible encourages us to start with the fear of the Lord. If you look at even how the Bible is kind of broken down into the Old Testament and the New Testament, if you paint with great big giant sweeping brushes, the Old Testament's about learning to fear the Lord. The New Testament is about learning the love of the Lord. And so it starts with one and moves to the other. And so that's the place we start. We embrace this broken relationship saying, yes, God, our relationship's not right. And that puts me in a bad way when it comes to you. Now, something's got to be done about that. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But first... Let me point this out for our kid notes. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, what does it mean to fear God? This is a special note for our kids and their kid notes. The fear of God is to respect, honor, and be concerned about him. That's what it means to fear God. You respect him, you honor him, and you're concerned about him. Meaning you're concerned about what he thinks. You're concerned about how he feels about things. He kind of dominates your thinking. You're, You're always thinking, I wonder what God thinks about this. That's what it means to fear God. I wonder what God thinks about this. I wonder would God approve of this. I wonder does God think this is right. I wonder if I would do this if God is here, that God takes up a very large part of our thinking and that we're concerned about him and want to respect him and honor him. But I'd like to talk just a moment about fear's victim. So after the origin of fear there in the garden, what what is up with the fear's victim and fear's victim is faith. The the truth of the matter is faith and fear are at war with each other. They're kind of mortal enemies. And we live in this kind of battle constantly. You may not realize it. You may not think about it. But almost every day, almost every moment, almost every choice you make, you're fighting this battle between faith and fear. Our kid note says faith, is, faith in God now means that you completely trust him. And so as we make choices every day, just think about how faith and fear are in competition with each other. You come up to a stoplight, right, at a busy intersection on the corner of 5th and Main uh, is a particularly bad spot here in Clarion as of late. And you got the faith to believe that when those people coming, they see red, they're going to stop. You believe they're going to do that. If you don't believe that, then you don't pull out when your light turns green. You wait to see if they stop. And so there's this battle between faith and fear. Do you really believe they're going to stop? If you do, you just pull out when it goes green. And sometimes you'll find out that your faith was misplaced. Because someone will come right through their red light and take you out. But you're deciding faith and fear. What about when you eat out? You ever realize how much faith you're exercising when you eat in a restaurant? There's lots of faith going on there and you're balancing it with that the fear that you could get sick. You have faith in the people who check the restaurant. You have faith in the people who work in the restaurant. You have faith that that day the cook is having a good day. You know, that they didn't, you know, have a really bad day that their husband or their wife didn't have a big fight before they came to work that day and said, "Uh uh-huh, well, somebody's going to pay. And so you exercise your faith, overcoming the fear that you could face. How about if you pay bills online? Faith and fear. It's over and over in our life. We're constantly battling these faith and these fear things. And the same thing happens with God. And when it comes to our relationship with God, we're constantly weighing out. Trusting God means this, which is scary. That's There's some faith there or I will trust my fear. Just let me give you some examples. Abraham, when he was called to wander about, was afraid of the people and was afraid because his wife Sarah was beautiful. So he lied about who she was. His fear overran his faith in this particular case. Moses, when he was called by God to lead the children of Israel, made excuse after excuse after excuse why he couldn't do it. He was struggling with his faith and his fear. I know what you've called me to do, but I can't speak very well. I I can't do that. Uh, Who am I going to say sent me? And what, what if they don't listen to me? It's a battle between his faith... And the fear that he was having to face. The children of Israel, they were called to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land. They send out 12 spies. Ten of them come back and say, those guys over there are big. Bigger than Matt (laughs) Beinhauer. They make Matt look like he's little. You know, yeah, it's a good place, but they're going to kill us. And so they let their fear override their faith. And for 40 years, they wander in the desert. So when Saul was sitting there uh, facing the giant, he's like, man, he is a big guy. And then little David comes up and his faith overrides everybody's fear because he goes out and stands before Goliath. Peter, when he denied Christ sitting there, his faith, his fear was overcome his faith. And he denied Christ three times. Pilate, when he sentenced Jesus to death, Was afraid of what the people might think. And so he sent Christ to be crucified even though he knew he was innocent. And so over and over in scriptures we see faith and fear battling with each other. But know this, faith can overcome fear. Your faith can overcome fear. Christian persecution, interestingly enough, when faith overcomes fear, the gospel spreads. I read an article from 2016 that the China president had ordered everyone in the cabinet that they were ordered to be Marxist atheists. They had demolished over 200 churches, t- torn down over 2,000 crosses. They were targeting Christians for persecution, and yet China is on track to be the most Christian nation in the world by 2030. They're under the greatest persecution. They face the greatest fear of any Christians on the the planet. And they are growing their churches and the gospel is spreading. Their faith is overcoming the fear they face. And so our faith can overcome fear. It doesn't have to be its victim. So what is the remedy for that what's going to inspire our faith to overcome this type of fear love god's love children you can note this in your children's notes you can write down god loves and then write your name in the children's note in the note god loves me god loves jason god loves us each and every one john 4:18 says Perfect love cast out fear. And there's only one person who's loved perfectly. That's God. Jesus. His perfect love causes us... To overcome our fears. We start to now get an understanding of what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 17 goes on to say for God did not send his son to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. See, because love, fear comes from the fear of judgment. But Jesus didn't come to judge. He didn't come to punish. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to love us and help us live a fearless life and let our faith overcome whatever fears we face. And when our relationship with him is rightly established, then our fears start to diminish. They start to go away. Here's the truth for you kids and your kids note. There is, oh, by the way, kids, you're getting a two, four lesson today. Not only are you learning what the Bible says, if you'll look closely at your kid notes, you're learning how to proofread. So you're getting a, you're getting, you're getting an English lesson too. You're welcome parents. I'm teaching two things for them. That us is supposed to be is. There is nothing to fear when you're with God. There is nothing to fear when you're with God. Our fears start to diminish. Romans chapter 8 says, I consider that our present sufferings... Are not, this is a compilation from Romans 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not comparable to the glory that will be revealed to us. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until this present time. We know that God works all things for good for those who love Him, who are called according to this purpose. What then shall we say in response to these things, to these troubles, to these turmoils? If God is for us, who can be against us. When we understand the love that God has for us. Our fears start to diminish. Luke twelve four says, I tell you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. And after that can do no more. Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The psalmist said in 23-4, yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Psalm 27-1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When we are right with God, when we are with God, our fears in this world should diminish. Because there's only one thing to fear in this world, rightly to fear in this world, and that's God. And once you've accepted His love, that fear is now gone. And everything else should line up behind that. So just briefly, let me mention just four of the fears that we commonly face. And a little biblical insight into those. There's many more. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just four kind of big ones. One is the fear of missing out. This is what people, this is the fear people have when they say, you know, if I'm a Christian, I'm going to be boring and my life's going to be boring and I'm going to miss out on all the fun stuff that the world has to offer. I'm going to miss out on all that good stuff, you know, all that stuff. And so I don't I'm afraid if, if I'm a Christian, I'll miss out on life and life's too short to miss out on. So I'll be a Christian later. They, this is what deceived Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When when Satan said, you know, kind of hinted that God was holding out on them, that he's he's not letting you eat of that tree because he knows the day you eat it, you're going to be like him. And he don't want you to be like him. He's holding out good stuff on you. I just want to remind you that God is good. God is unchanging and He's always good. And everything God wants from you, everything God wants for you, everything that God instructs you to do is for your good. And doing it God's way is always the best way. James 1, 6 and 7 says, do not be deceived. My beloved brethren, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation and shadow and shifting shadow that the good things come from God. And it's good to do it God's way because God is good and God loves you. And so that fear of missing out can diminish when we realize how good God is. The fear of man. We are often consumed by what others think about us. And we go through all kind of efforts to make people think good about us. And we play even our little church games sometimes, you know, putting on our our plastic faces here at church so that people will think we're good Christians. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says this, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Mike, I'll just remind you, this was Pilate's problem. Pilate knew the Christ was innocent, but because he feared the people, what man would think of him, he sent him off to be crucified. Do we do the same? Do we crucify Christ because we're afraid of what other people will think? Do things and act ways and say things we wouldn't normally do when we're in certain people's presence because we want them to think differently of us and we, we care more about what they think than what God thinks? Fear of failure. Will I be good enough? Am I good enough? I'm not good enough. I know I'm a failure. I just want to remind you, God is gracious. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. In fact, He knows you're not going to be. That's why we have grace. Undeserved merit. Psalm 145.8 The Lord is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger. And great in loving kindness. You just repeated with Miss Jean this morning. God never what? He never changes. God is still gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. And when you mess up, did God change? No, he's still gracious and merciful and slow to anger and full of loving kindness. And the final fear that we deal with quite often is the fear of death. And when you know that God is your father, when you've accepted that love, when you understand that love, when you're in the relationship with him, when you're with God, then you can quote what 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty four and 57 says. But when the perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That we don't even have to fear death itself because of the great love and the victory we have in Jesus. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And so let me just close with that encapsulating thought today the big takeaway for today is when you take care of the one fear that matters when you settle the fear of god because you've accepted the love that god has for you when you've replaced the fear of god with the love of god by trusting what god has given us and demonstrated in his son jesus christ on the cross then all other fears we face can be overcome And they, as we grow in that love and understanding of our relationship with God, they will come strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace.